0: Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood, and I write science fiction and fantasy. I used to be in the Navy, spent 20 years doing submarine operations, among other cool things. Learned to fly planes, learned to scuba dive, had a bunch of kids, saw the world, and I started writing fiction. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my stories with you in the hope that you'll have fun, and also that you'll like my stuff and come back for more and maybe help brother out with buying a book or two. So uh, sit back, relax, I'm going to tell you a story. Hey friends, I'm Michael Kingswood, and it's story time. And hey, like I told you last time, I'm actually doing this podcast thing continuously now. And also, like I said, uh, this week, is a lot of good things going on this week. Uh, First and foremost is the Infinite Bard. I've talked about the Infinite Bard before tell you a little bit about it now the uh, it's a whole bunch of writers who I know and converse with over various uh, news lists. We all have a, a similar linkage and that we've all been to same workshops and such and we want to help each other out with uh, getting each other some exposure, sharing some stories and helping you guys the reading and listening populace out by sharing those stories because we love you and want you to be happy. Uh, so this week is uh, my story, which uh, is the second story I will have done with the Infinite Bard. Uh, I'll be putting it up on my blog. By the time this comes out, it already will be out. And it's called Passed Over. It's in the set in the universe of my Icarin Confederation Navy books, which the first which I am still finishing up but will be done here shortly this spring and then released. Uh, this is a short story uh, about a guy who's, wait for it, In the Navy. The Space Navy, of course. And he's having a bit of a career issue and trying to figure out what to do with the rest of his life. I wrote this a couple years back for a uh, workshop I went to. A lot of people liked it. I liked it. uh, And I figured I'd share it here with you guys. So without further ado, let's get into it. And I'll talk a little more news items after the fact. Hope you enjoy it. I'll see you on the flip side. I'm sorry, XO. Captain's words rang hollow in Jerry's ears. He looked at the printed-out naval message in his hands and read it again. This had to be a mistake. But the message didn't change for the last three times he had read it this afternoon, and that lack of change was just as crushing as the first time. The message contained the results of the selection board that convened to select officers who would move up to commanding officer next year. His name wasn't on it. Jerry finally looked up from the message and met his boss's eyes. They were in the captain's stateroom in the O2 level of ICS Rodney Jacobs, moored in air dock number one of Copernicus Station in geosynchronous orbit around New California. The room was large as spaces went aboard ship, with its own private head compartment, faux wood paneling that almost looked like pine, an old-style nautical clock made of brass, pictures of the captain's family on the aft bulkhead, and a hand-quilted, multicolored blanket on his rack, a gift from his wife and daughter, managed to feel almost homely if you didn't focus on the ship status display panel mounted at the foot of the rack, or the emergency m- atmosphere system manifolds in the overhead, or the ever-present, slightly tangy boat smell that lingered over everything, the unfortunate residue of the atmosphere scrubbing gear down in the AMR. Commander Harold Latimer, Acheron Confederation Navy, was five years Jerry's senior, and mostly bald. He had a noticeable paunch beneath the navy blue fabric of his underway coveralls and deep frown lines around his mouth from too many years "'Spent mainlining coffee instead of sleeping well. "'But his blue eyes usually twinkled with good humor. "'Not today. "'I I don't understand it, sir. "'I thought things were going well.' "'The captain sighed and shook his head. "'I don't either. "'If it were up to me, you'd have your own command tomorrow.' "'The Commodore agrees. "'Sometimes the selection boards just... "'He spread his hands helplessly. "'They just blow it.' "'Blow it. "'Yeah, that was one way to put it. "'Screw the pooch entirely was more fitting.' Jerry had seen Sam Frederick's name on the list. Sam Frederick's. If that jackass made it and he hadn't, disbelief and shock turned to anger as he contemplated that. That's bullshit. The captain looked sharply at him for a second, but just as quickly as the sternness entered his expression, it left. It is what it is, Jerry. He looked away toward the ship's status display, mostly dark now as the ship was in air dock. I'd say you'll make it next year, but he trailed off, not finishing the thought. He didn't have to finish it. This had been Jerry's last look for a CO. He hadn't made it the previous year because of the vagaries of timing. Though his fit rep from Jacobs had been good, it only spanned two months, and that was not enough of a record for the board to decide on. But that was not uncommon. Most guys got picked up on their second look. And sure, technically there was a third look, but that was above zone, a chance that was almost never used because all the CO billets for his year group were already filled by that point. He'd never heard of anyone being picked above zone. So, he was done. The paper printout crumbled in his hands and Jerry realized he had clenched his fists. Look, the captain's attention was back on Jerry fully and his gaze was compassionate. Why don't you get out early today? You're still going on leave starting tomorrow, right? Jerry nodded. We're sailing to Temecula. Good. Go take some time and clear your head. The captain put on what Jerry supposed was intended to be a reassuring smile. This isn't the end of the world. There's still lots of great things you can do in the Navy. Great. Yeah, sure. Wine wasn't supposed to be rancidly sour, and Jerry knew the pour he was sipping wasn't. Not really. All the same, the crisp fruitiness, a hint of peach with a smattering of tart that he expected from a good Sauvignon Blanc, tasted horrible. He drank it anyway. The sunlight streaming down through the swaying palms overhead, slightly more red than the yellow-blue he grew up with, felt chilly despite the tropical breeze blowing steadily in from the sea. The sound of laughter top muted music that was heavy on drums, guitar, and ukulele, and seemed to express that nothing existed in the world but good cheer and relaxation bounced off Jerry's malaise without effect. Even the aromas of Vincenzo's kitchen, spiced tomato and garlic mixed into his signature sauce, sausages and pepperonis atop steaming pies, and the bread, oh, the bread, seemed like ash carried on a charnel breeze. So why was he here? Jerry took another drink, not lifting his eyes from the tabletop in front of him. He sat in the rear courtyard of La Trattoria, probably the finest restaurant in Ventura, maybe in all of New California, and ignored it all. He just let his thoughts swirl and stew and nursed on his drink. All around, people, locals in their loose sleeveless blouses and cut pants, tourists with trying with varying degrees of success to blend in while they adjusted to the higher than standard gravity well, Navy guys down for Copernicus Station, They all went about their business in good cheer, enjoying with ease the feast that Vincenzo set before them. And Jerry just sat and stewed. He probably ought to just get up and go home. He'd come down here to avoid sitting in that empty space and think about what he'd lost, what he'd given up for his career. For nothing, it turned out. And yet, here he was doing precisely that and all the worse for the good cheer all around him. A burst of laughter from across the courtyard forced Jerry's eyes away from his drink for a moment. A young Navy guy, he was obviously in the service from his haircut and stature, sat with a local couple that Jerry had seen here before, though he had never met them. He was very young, probably on his first space tour. Nothing but possibility ahead of him, and the galaxy was his oyster. Amazing the difference 16 years made. My friend, you look glum. A well-aged baritone with a hint of veneto in its accent, despite New California's attempt to convert it, pulled Jerry's gaze away from the group. He knew it was Vincenzo without seeing the man standing across the table from him. Vincenzo had moved to New California after his wife passed and had quickly become a fixture of life here in Ventura. He certainly stood out from the crowd. Most New Californians were well-tanned and muscled owing to the deeper gravity well here and the ubiquitous tropical to Mediterranean climates. But in the five years since Jerry first transferred here from Modesto, Vincenzo's belly had only grown. Jerry shrugged. Been a bad day. Vincenzo gestured toward the chair opposite him, and Jerry thought about telling him to go away. But Vincenzo had been a decent friend over the years, and this was his place besides. And he had been known to join random people's parties at will, because it was his place. They never had any reason to complain about it, though. A visit from Vincenzo meant dinner was on the house. It was hard to say no to that. Vincenzo adjusted his blouse, cut into local style and striped in red and white, as he settled down in the chair. I know the perfect cure for a bad day. His bushy eyebrows, gray with some last strands of black like the curly hair atop his head and the mustache above his lips, rose suggestively. Jerry sighed. The special? Vincenzo grinned broadly. The special. He raised his hands and snapped his fingers, and a passing server, a local man in a red blouse, nodded quickly, then scurried off toward the kitchen. It was going to be one of those kinds of afternoons, it looked like. Despite his dour mood, Jerry had to admit that things were looking up. A little bit. 45 minutes later, they were looking up a lot. Special today ended up being a creamy leek and potato soup, followed by buffalo parmesan in Vincenzo's signature spicy sauce atop fettuccine, and finished off by a chocolate lava cake that was to die for. Jerry pushed his plate away and leaned back in his seat, the contented feeling that always comes over a person after a good meal, battling hard with the reality of his career prospects and ending up in a draw. He looked out past the fluted stone columns that flanked stairs leading down from the courtyard to the white sand beach of Ventura Bay and let his thoughts drift. The sun was getting low in the sky, casting long shadows across the courtyard, and turning the lapping waves on the beach a deeper shade of turquoise, and for a moment everything seemed peaceful and quiet. Vincenzo didn't exactly ruin that, but he did interrupt it. Maybe this is a mixed blessing, my friend. Jerry looked back at the restaurateur and snorted. (laughs) I haven't seen my kids in over five years, Vin. I left them behind to come here, and for what? Talking about it brought the circumstances of his job more fully to the forefront of his mind, and he felt the good cheer that had been trying to creep back into his consciousness fade into the background. Vincenzo made a little shrug of his shoulders and leaned forward. We've had many conversations before. Do you know how many times you smiled when you talked about the Navy? Jerry blinked, surprised. He shook his head. Not once. It's not supposed to be a barrel of laughs, Finn. It's serious business. That's true. But it does not bring you joy. Jerry opened his mouth to retort, but stopped. Vincenzo had a point. When was the last time he had truly enjoyed what he was doing in the Navy? When he had viewed it as something other than a goal to meet, a duty to uphold. But it was a necessary duty, and somebody had to do it. What was wrong with that? Nothing, but he really couldn't remember when it had been anything else. He shook his head. Why did you not bring your children with you here? He and Vincenzo had discussed this before, once long ago. Jerry was fairly sure he remembered the reason. Finn didn't miss much. All the same, he replied Sharon refused to move again. She liked Montesino, and she was staying put. He snorted out a bitter half-laugh. Pretty sure she'd already started seeing Herman by then. Anyway, the courts agreed I couldn't have custody on space duty, so here I am, and there they are, four jumps and three weeks' travel away. He shook his head sadly. I only get 30 days of leave a year. I can't travel that far to visit, and neither can they with their school schedule and Sharon's work. And he was pretty sure she never would have let them, but he didn't say that. Vincenzo knew that already, too. Vincenzo nodded and pursed his lips. I think, my friend, that you wanted today's outcome. He stood then, his chair making a soft scraping sound as it dragged across the courtyard's stone floor. At some level. Vincenzo laid his hand on Jerry's shoulder and gave it a little squeeze. A change for the better, perhaps. Then he left, heading back inside his restaurant and leaving Jerry to ponder his words. Jerry almost didn't go on the sailing trip. He woke with a gravelly taste in his mouth and the dull headache that spoke of an impending wine hangover, and he really didn't want to go anywhere or do anything. He had just about talked himself into bagging out of it completely when Sammy called. Pure breeze was Sammy's boat, and Jerry had promised to help crew it, and the other guy who Sammy had tapped to help had backed out just this morning. So what was Jerry going to do, leave Sammy with a boatload of clients and no crew to get them to their vacation getaway? (sighs) No. No. So he shouldered his knapsack and took the elevator down from his flat. He hadn't felt like it, but he did it. An hour and a half later, they were underway, running north through the mouth of Ventura Bay on a ten-knot breeze, with the morning sun shining on them and nary a cloud in the sky. Jerry had to admit that made him feel a lot better. Pure breeze was cutter-rigged, 15 meters long, and fitted out for charter duty with two cabins aft and another in the bow for Sammy's customers, and three more Spartan bunks for himself and his crew amidships just off the main salon. Sammy had installed every luxury a pampered rich tourist could want, and Jerry had been surprised, during the previous trips he had crewed for Sammy, how many of the customers stayed below decks the whole time. Couldn't have gotten him to do that, especially not at the rates Sammy charged. This group was different, though. They were locals, not off-world tourists, and younger than usual. Two couples and a quartet of single women. They were all lounging atop the cabin watching the scenery pass. There was a damn sight better looking at them than the company Jerry usually kept while underway on his starship. Sammy came up from below decks and looked forward from where Jerry had the helm and grinned. He was about five years younger than Jerry, muscular, of course, with black hair that always looked not quite kempt and gray eyes. He had doffed his blouse and shoes but kept his caprice, as had most of the group up on top of the cabin. Jerry had kept his blouse. He needed as much protection from the sun as he could get. Hard to get a good tan on a naval starship. Glad you could make it, Jerry. That sounded part statement, part question. Jerry shrugged. Didn't want to leave you hanging. Sammy rolled his eyes slightly and chuckled. Yeah, sure that's all it was. He raised an eyebrow at him, then meandered forward to where his customers were taking their ease, and in particular, to the single customers. Jerry chuckled at that, though truth be told, that move was rooted in more than just lechery. In his time on New California, he had seen more than a few fights as a result of someone being a little too forward with a married New Californian woman, and the general feeling among the populace and in the local government was that any injuries that came from them were the guy's own fault for being disrespectful. That tended to keep men respectfully polite to the matrons of the community. He thought back to Sharon and Herman, and wondered how differently life might have been had other worlds in the Confederation had such a civilized view of things. The boat continued on a good line toward the mouth of the bay. Jerry figured they had maybe another half hour until he hit the open sea, when one of the women from the group stood and walked back to him at the helm station. She was tall, like most locals, maybe a centimeter shorter than he, and toned. Her skin was well bronzed and her hair bleached nearly white. She wore it cut short, nearly shaved on the back and left side of her head, but long on the right side, the locks hanging down past the front of her shoulder to just cover her right nipple. Wearing it that way meant she was single. Married women wore it on the left. And good thing she was, too, because he couldn't help but stare at her topless state for a few seconds as she approached. He had long since gotten used to the New Californians' casual standards for attire while at the beach or on the water or sometimes while laying out on their property or... But really, could any man truly not want to take a look at that? Especially on such a creature as she? He pulled his eyes up as she stepped down into the boat's cockpit and nodded in greeting. Having fun so far? She smiled broadly and nodded. Pausing to take a sip from the drink she carried in her left hand, she said, You're the only one not have company. Figured I'd say hello. Jerry returned the smile and shrugged, then looked toward the bow as he addressed Corza might. I don't mind. Nothing better than driving a boat on a day like today. She turned to follow his gaze forward. It shows you like it. Your profession suits you. Jerry felt a little jolt at that, and his spirits, which had been buoying higher and higher by the minute, wobbled. I don't do this for a living, he said, and the woman turned questioning eyes on him. Just help Sammy out when I can. What you do? He pointed toward his military haircut, then up into the sky to the south. From this far out to sea on such a clear day, the anchoring structure for the space elevator up to Copernicus Station ought to be clearly visible, or at the least one of the elevator cars would be as it made its transit. She nodded, understanding. Navy. Good guess. He chuckled at his own joke, poor though it was, and she followed suit. Then it followed a moment of silence as the boat plowed through the waves and he adjusted course again. She watched him as he steered in a way that he knew well, the way of a person who thinks it would be awesome to steer the boat, but has no idea how and is hesitant to ask. Most of Sammy's clients got that look at some point. What's your name, Jerry said. Talia. "'Well, Talia,' he released the wheel with his right hand "'and took a half-step back, "'allowing her access if she wished it. "'Want to take the wheel? "'That okay? "'It's what you and your friends paid for.' "'She smiled again and hesitantly "'stepped behind the wheel and took hold. "'He slipped to the port side and released control. Two days later, they tied up at the wharf in Temecula. "'As with many towns on New California, "'it was named after a city "'in the planet's namesake state on Terra. "'But unlike that city,' This Temecula was an island. It boasted beautiful beaches, but that was hardly unique on New California, and rugged terrain. Some of the most spectacular hikes on the planet were to be found in Temecula's interior. It also, like its namesake on Terra, was a great place for growing wine grapes. Naturally, that was what drew a lot of the visitors to the island, and Talia and company were no different. As part of the package they purchased from Sammy, they had three days of vineyard and winery tours to look forward to. It only took a few minutes to more pure breeze, and then the customers gathered on the dock and Sammy handed out their passes and maps of the island. We leave ten o'clock on Wednesday, he said, and tried to look stern. You not here, we go anyway, and you swim back to Ventura. The small group chuckled, and Jerry could tell none of them bought it. They were the customers, after all, he wasn't their boss. And besides, they could always take a flyer back to the mainland if it came down to it. Sammy grinned at them. Have fun. Jerry and me be here if you need us. You got the number. With that, the group started to break up, the two couples turning quickly to walk to the head of the dock and then away to their adventure. Talia and her three friends lingered, stowing the last few things in their bags. Jerry got busy helping Sammy secure the boat's rigging. They were just getting the sail cover snapped in place over the mainsail when Talia called his name. He turned and saw that her friends had moved a short way down the dock and were watching her impatiently. He stepped over to the lifelines on the dock side of the boat and raised an inquisitive eyebrow at her, "'We wondering,' she stopped when one of her friends— "'Regina was her name, and she was generally disagreeable—snorted. "'Talia began again. "'I wondering if you want to come with us.' "'Jerry blinked in surprise. "'He and Talia had spent a fair amount of time together "'on the passage across from Ventura. "'He showed her how to con the boat, "'the tricks of sail trim, and basic navigation. "'But he'd done that with the other customers as well. "'And great as she was to look at, "'he hadn't really thought things were going in that direction. "'This was a turn he hadn't expected.' Too idiot a job to do. He shook his head. Thanks, but I've been out there before. And anyway, I'm on the job. I need to help Sammy see to the boat, get resupplied. He smiled gratefully at her. Maybe another time. She seemed to deflate a tad, but she nodded quickly. All right, Wednesday then. Have fun. She turned and followed her friends down the dock, and Jerry watched them go for a moment. Sammy dragged him back to reality quickly enough. Man, you stupid. Jerry gave a little jerk and looked back at him, his eyebrows raising. What? Sammy rolled his eyes. You know I can tend Breeze without you. Why no go with her? I'm not paying you for this. Yeah, but you still need... Sammy snorted. Bullshit. You're scared is what you are. What? Sammy jabbed a finger at him. Long as I know you, ain't never seen you with a woman. He glanced left and right, then leaned a little closer, lowering his voice conspiratorially. You swing the other way? No, I don't have time to... Another snort. You're not married. You spend a lot of time with the Navy, but you got time if you wanted... Sammy's eyebrows rose. Why not? You wouldn't understand. We do things differently off New Cali. It's... Damn right I not understand. Your wife not dead, you divorced. His lips twisted in disgust as he said the word, and his tone showed entire volumes about how he felt about that concept. It was not a thing that was done on New California. They considered it blasphemy. She don't want to be with you any more. At least she alive. My, Zelma... He broke off, turning away from Jerry hurriedly as his eyes welled up. Sammy, I took me three years to get past it, but I did. You know. Jerry did. He had been on shore duty here at the time, and had been at the funeral, watched the pyre burn down to cinders, and then helped hold Sammy down as the tattoo artist drew his widower's band around his right wrist, to match the band he had gotten on his left when he and Zelma had joined themselves together. And he had seen Sammy come through his grief to start his business, the business that had been both of their dream, and make it thrive." Sammy drew himself up and wiped at his face, then turned back to face Jerry. "'If I get past her dying, why you not get past yours living?' Jerry had no answer to that. Sammy gave a jerk of his chin toward the dock, and Jerry hopped over the side as though he'd been given an order. And maybe he had at that. He was moving as soon as his feet hit the dock, and before he knew it, he was past the gate that separated the marina from the rest of the town's waterfront and onto the main road, running through Temecula. Talia and her friends were nowhere to be seen." A peeping from his holopad roused Jerry from sleep, and he sat up. He rubbed his eyes for a moment, then looked around to reorient himself. It took him a minute to realize he was on the pure breeze. He was so used to his stateroom on Jacob's that the more cramped crew bunk he was in now threw him for a loop. Silly. He kicked his feet over the side of the bunk and hopped down, then felt around in his knapsack, hanging on a hook near the door for his holopad. He tapped it to life and saw that he had an email. Registry said it was from Montesino. Jerry's heart gave a little lurch. Sharon, or one of the kids? It had been weeks since he'd last heard anything from them. That wasn't so unusual, but right then, with everything that had been going on with him the last few days, he suddenly felt the lack of contact down to his bones. He slipped out of the crew's berthing compartment and padded up the companionway stairs to the boat's cockpit. There, beneath the constellations that were so different from those where the email had originated, he sat down and opened the message. His daughter's face popped onto the screen and his heart gave another lurch. She was 15 now. Last time he had seen her for real, she had still been a little girl, all bouncing around and joyful and at play. Now she was almost a woman and care had begun to weigh on her. She had bags under her eyes, like she hadn't been sleeping or she had just been crying. He bit back a surge of emotion and tapped the screen. Hey, Dad, Carolyn said. Her voice was deeper than the last time he had heard it, but it had a harsh undertone to it for some reason. Been a while since we talked. I know you're busy on your ship and all, but... She trailed off and looked away for a second, as though gathering her thoughts. When she looked back at him, at the camera she had spoken into, she looked, if possible, even more harried. Things have gotten weird around here. I. She leaned closer to the camera. When are you coming back? Can I come to where you are? They looked for a second as though she was going to say something more. But instead, she reached up toward the screen, and the message ended. That was a sledgehammer to the guts. Jerry ran his fingers along the surface of the holopad, unable to put his thoughts in order. A clear throat made Jerry jerk upright. He spun around. Sammy was standing by the mainmast, a lit cigar clenched between his teeth. When Jerry's eyes met his, he pulled the cigar out and held his hands up apologetically. Don't mean to intrude, he said, his tone saying, Hey man, you came to me. Jerry waved the apology away. You heard that? Sammy nodded. Don't sound good. Seems like nothing is these days. He looked skyward to the great crab, the constellation where he thought Montesino lay. It was hard to keep straight which systems were where. Jump points didn't line up neatly. A system five jumps away could be less than a parsec distance, Well, a single jump could take you to the other side of the galaxy. It came down to the vagaries of the quantum fluctuations of the gravitational field interfacing with the... Ugh, you did not need to go down that rabbit hole right now. I came out here for the Navy, for my career. Threw all of them away, for nothing. Sammy snorted. Not for nothing. And what you left to do? He paused and added... Isn't it? There it was again—essentially the same question Vincenzo had asked, but in a different way. Vin had never seen him smile when talking about the navy; thought it brought him no joy. What do you think, Sammy? Is it what I love to do? I think you should have gone after that girl sooner. Jerry gave him a flat look, and Sammy grinned at him. They had had it out over that earlier, but eventually Sammy had concluded that there was nothing really lost. He knew exactly where Talia and company would be in a couple of days and it was better to not look like you were chasing after the girl. But Sammy still couldn't resist jabbing at him a bit anyway. After a second, the grin faded, and Sammy shrugged. Dunno. it. what do you think you need to do. A duty. You respect that. But not a love. Jerry looked back up at the sky. I really don't remember when it was. There was a time. Then I decided to want to be captain, and it became a goal. But at some point, jumping through all the hoops and waiting through all the bullshit... He sighed and shook his head. I figured it'd be worth it once I got to command. I could fix all the things I saw that were jacked up, get the mission done, and have fun doing it. He snorted. So much for that. He turned back to Sammy and held up the holopad so the Californian could see his daughter's face. I'm pretty sure it's not been worth it. Sammy looked at Carolyn for a few seconds, then nodded. Why you not bring her here? She want to come, sound like. He met Jerry's eyes, and he was all serious. Tell with the Navy. Partner up with me. We run Pure Breeze together. Then get a second boat. Make double the money. You serious? Yeah, why not? you the best crew I got when I got you. Customers love you. Leave great survey comments. Sometimes leave big tips. I don't recall you ever passing those tips along. Course not. You Navy. Make plenty money. I struggling to get by. Sammy grinned conspiratorially. Besides, you get paid in sea time, which is what you really love. He poked the lid end of the cigar toward Jerry. And you know it. Jerry pondered that for a long moment. He had to admit Sammy had a good point. Hell, he'd had about six valid points this afternoon alone. On this particular one, they had become friends because Jerry kept hanging around the Ventura Yacht Club, volunteering to crew in the weekly beer can races. They had been teamed up a few times and realized they worked well together, so Sammy had taken to requesting him for his team. Then Jerry had met Zelma and become fast friends with her. In the four months from when she was diagnosed to when she passed, Jerry had spent every moment he could get away from work helping out as best he could. When Sammy took some of the life insurance money and bought Pure Breeze, it had been only natural that Jerry continued to help crew. The fact that he hadn't been able to do that nearly as much in the year and a half since he took over his XO of j didn't change things between them. Sammy was right. Sailing was a cornerstone of their friendship. And he was also right that Jerry could not retell a time in his life when he hadn't been a sailor. Part of the reason he joined the Navy is because of his love for boats and ships, and never mind the galaxy of a difference between a sailing vessel and an interstellar warship. A ship was a ship, and the nautical traditions still held. All the same, it's not like he could just up and leave the Navy. He, Jerry froze in mid-thought. Actually, he could leave. He was not under any contract. He had long since paid back the cost of his schooling, and he served at the pleasure of the Prime Minister. He could submit his resignation paperwork any time he felt like it. There would be people who said he was idiotic to do so now, though, with sixteen years of service under his belt. But those were the same kind of people who would scoff at any risky decision, who never stuck their necks out. Maybe. I don't know, Sammy. I'll have to think on it. Do that. The passage back to Ventura was uneventful, yet somehow so completely filled with meaning that Jerry was shocked when he awoke and went up to take the morning watch from Sammy and saw the mouth of Ventura Bay on the horizon before them. Had the time really passed so quickly? Of course, the answer was no. The time had passed the same rate it always did. Pure Breeze was a fairly fast boat, but she was nowhere near fast enough to affect that. Still, wow. It seemed as every waking moment was either filled by spending time with Talia and the other customers as well, but it always seemed to come back to her, Jerry was pretty sure she arranged it that way, and making preparations for his decision. Although, to be honest, Jerry had to admit he had already made the decision. He was just trying to convince himself he was mulling it over carefully. He hardly noticed the miles pass as they attacked pure breeze down the length of the bay, worked in a kind of daze as they struck the sails and switched to the motor, and moved with practice but thoughtless ease as he and Sammy, with the help of the customers, set about securing the boat at Ventura Yacht Club's dock. The entire time, he was making plans, and for the first time in a long while, he began to feel excited about the future. The boat secured, he went below to gather up his gear. It only took a few minutes, but it seemed like a small eternity. All the same, when he came back topside, little had changed, Sammy was still coiling the main halyard in preparation for cleaning it off. The customers were still offloading their gear. And Talia was standing alone on the dock, away from her friends as she dug into her pack. Jerry hurried over to Sammy and held out his hand to his friend. Thanks, Sammy. I'll get back to you a little bit later, okay? Sammy shook hands with him and looked at him curiously. They had not talked about his proposal during the passage, but he knew Jerry had been mulling things over. He nodded, then looked past Jerry's shoulder toward where Talia was squaring her things away. He raised an eyebrow. Jerry grinned. I'm on it. He released Sammy's hand, then turned to walk down the gangway to the dock. He passed Regina and managed to ignore her giving him the stink eye, and went over to where Talia was working. Talia. She looked up from her bag and smiled at him. Thank you for the help, Jerry, she said, a perfectly friendly and neutral sort of thing to say. Jerry wasn't buying it. He saw the uncertain hope there in her eyes and the way her demeanor changed when he came up. My pleasure. He paused, gathering himself. He was sure of her answer, all the same. He hadn't done this in a long time. I got a few things to take care of this afternoon, but are you up for dinner tonight? She blinked, then her smile grew more broad. Sure. She reached into her bag and pulled out her holopad. A swipe of her fingers across it sent her contact data over to his. Jerry grinned. Seven o'clock? La Trattoria? Love to. All right, I'll give you a call. Then he turned and hurried away down the dock toward the yacht club's main building. As he went, he realized he was whistling to himself. When he got back to his condo, Jerry tossed his knapsack over into the corner and immediately popped down at his little desk. His desktop terminal hummed to life at a swipe of his hand and he set to work. He wrote out two emails, one to Sharon and another, longer one, to Carolyn. Once they were on their way, he opened up his text editor. He stared at the empty page for a long time. This was it. If he was going to do it, now was the time. And once it was done, there'd be no going back. He'd be cutting loose his mooring lines. Sailing out into God-knew-what. He was grinning like a fool. He began to type. From Lieutenant Commander Gerald Rosenthal, ICN, to Director, Naval Personnel. Subject, unqualified resignation from active duty. It was time to stop taking the wrong course. Time to right his ship. Okay, well, like I told you, this is uh, being put out as part of the Infinite Bard multi-author, promotional, sharing cool stories thing. You can find this story on my blog at michaelkingswood.com. You can also link to it through and all the other stories that have been shared over the last uh, what, eight, nine months now uh, over at the infinitebar.com. A n- number of really awesome writers have been participating in this, putting out stuff for free for your enjoyment. Uh, I don't know how many others are actually reading them and getting about up odd, I mean, through audio means. Um, I th- kind of have the impression that my audio and podcasting efforts are not completely unique, but more rare. So uh, go over there. You can find it in text and uh, get to everybody's stories and their various website. And who knows? You, there's so many great authors. I'm sure you'll find some uh, other people whose stuff you really like. And so go check them out. Show them a little love. Buy some books of theirs. That'd be awesome. Um, and then come back here next week and we'll do uh, some more. We'll get me heading back into the Pericles Conspiracy next week, which is uh, the sci fi novel I've been reading through <laughs> for a long time now. We're up to chapter 36 now in this next podcast we'll be putting out. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the other thing, uh, speaking of the Pericles Conspiracy, the other cool thing going on this week is I'm participating in a story bundle. Uh, which I described in the last podcast, but I'll strap it again here. Storybundle is uh, just like it sounds. Storybundle.com, you go there, and you can buy a whole bunch of novels uh, that are bundled together for one convenient low price. The cool thing about Storybundle is uh, you have seven, eight, nine, ten different authors getting in there, putting all this stuff together, you buy them all at once, and you can choose the price you want to pay. But depending on how much you spend, you either get uh, some or all or extra stuff too um depending what your your price range is uh but also uh, a chunk of the proceeds goes to charity for various cool causes uh this time is i believe uh charity about helping kids to read which is also a very cool thing interjecting after the previous recording here i was wrong about that the uh, story bundles up and i had misremembered it's not about the charity is not about uh reading it's uh, for able gamers it's called it's uh, a place that makes equipment to help disabled people be able to play games just as well as anybody else so that's also kind of cool but uh seeing as i figured found out i was wrong about the charity involved i figured i'd interject this real quick anyway back to the original recording so uh, i think it starts up on the 7th so as shortly after this goes live the story bundle will be live too and next week when i get back to the pericode conspiracy i will pimp it some more but uh, go check it out even if you don't get this particular bundle because it doesn't come out yet or it's only live for three four weeks if you're reading listening to this or watching this you know after the month of february 2020 the bundle i'm in won't be live anymore but there will be other cool things going on so check that out uh it's good for the authors it's good for the guy who runs story bundle and it's good for you because you get a lot of good books for a really good price um yeah so more to that as the story bundle i'm in comes out Uh, but that will be the pericles conspiracy which i am reading i get to reading again next week is the book that's in that from me and though this one is called visions of the future so pericles is very much fitting for that um Not too much else to say on the writing news and stuff that's going on in my world. So I'll just sign off here. Hope you enjoyed this story. If you do, please uh, share it with your friends. Tell people to come to the podcast or the videos and uh, like and subscribe them or go to my website, Uh, go to find me on Amazon or Apple or the other things and check out all the other stuff I got. And uh, hopefully we can be friends and you like what I do. You find more stuff I like and I can entertain you for a while that'd be awesome. And of course, you know, I'm in it for the money too. So hook a brother up if you want to. Anyway, um, yeah, that's all I got. Hopefully you uh, enjoyed this. Come back next week and we'll do some more. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. You can find me online at michaelkingswood.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. My web store is SSNStorytelling.com, where you can find all my books in your favorite formats. Purchasing through the web store nets me the most profit, but if you prefer, I'm also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and all the other usual e-tailers. If you want to learn about new releases, sign up for my mail list through the contact form at my website. I guarantee not to spam you, only send an email when I have some news to share. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music, copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.